everybody, and welcome to another episode of my JavaScript story. This week, we're talking to Fairzad. Fairzad, do you want to just uh, give a brief introduction to who you are and why you're important? Uh, sure. Thanks, Charles. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I'm Fairzad. I'm a developer working at a company called Epic Games and currently living in Helsinki in Finland with my lovely wife and my cat. Nice. When I'm building a new product, G2i is the company that I call to help me find a developer who can build it. G2i is a hiring platform run by engineers that matches you with React, React Native, GraphQL, and mobile developers that you can trust. Whether you are a new company building your first product or an established company that wants additional engineering help, G2i has the talent you need to accomplish your goals. Go to g2i.co to learn more about what G2i has to offer. In my experience, G2i has linked me up with experienced engineers that can fit my budget and the G2i staff are friendly and easy to work with. They know how product development works and can help you find the perfect engineer for your stack. Go to g2i.co to learn more about G2i. And uh, we had you on React Roundup. Um, the episode went live in September talking about state machines and state charts. Uh, sounds right, yeah. Yeah. So um, what is it that you actually do? Because I can't imagine you design state machines all day, every day. Actually, um, for the past couple of months, it's been one of my main duties at work to design and refactor all the existing logics and behaviors of the product oh, wow. into working state charts using the XSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSSS
my academic background, the thing that I was studying in college was aerospace engineering and astrophysics. Um, that was totally unrelated to what I do at the moment. But um, along the way, uh, when I was studying in college, I was dealing with programming in different ways, uh, scientific programming using Python, uh, uh, like um, software such as Mathematica or MATLAB. And I was always kind of dealing with some sort of programming, but not web programming in general. Then uh, one of my teachers in college once called me to his room and said that I am trying to find interested people in maintaining the database skill for the educational software that we have in college. And I thought that I could handle that. So he taught me PHP and MySQL, and I got into web engineering from there. <laughs> Um, then I got interested in uh, Fortran a bit, um, a bit of Python for web programming, and then it just started from there. And there was like HTML and CSS along the way too. Nice. So you, you've kind of gone through all of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't say all of it. I think just uh, scratch the surface. <laughs> right. So where did you wind up settling then? Um, I was studying aerospace and aerospace engineering and astrophysics, but then uh, I gradually realized that I'm interested in programming and I want to take that as my career for the life. So I dropped out of the college on last semester, totally revolutionary decision, dropped all my career in that field and started learning web programming from scratch on the web. I took some um, public courses on Code Academy, Free Code Camp, and these websites and started learning how to program in JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. And after a couple of months, I applied to my first job, got into it, and it's been seven years almost. Nice. You've been doing web development then? Mainly for the past seven years, yeah. Mainly web development, a bit of mobile development, desktop development too. Gotcha. So, and, and has it been mostly in what? Python? It's been mostly or? in... JavaScript, actually. Um, I started a career by coding in uh, PHP and Python a bit, uh -huh. but then I got really interested in kind of designing using HTML and CSS. Then I got really deep in CSS and then I started working with JavaScript and jQuery, AngularJS along the way. And then React happened in 2015. And it's been just React since. Nice. So um, what made you get into JavaScript? Because, I mean... For a long time, JavaScript was kind of the redheaded stepchild in um, web development, right? It was, it was stuff that nobody really wanted to do. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, that's kind of a hard question to answer, you know, because um, JavaScript has always been treated as a kind of scripted language that you decorate your mouse pointer on the web with. Um, things like um, a, a snowing or raining effects on your blogs, if you remember the old dark days of uh -huh. web. Yeah, but um, I guess I got interested in JavaScript because of jQuery and being able to actually program dynamically and get things done in the runtime instead of just aesthetically designing using CSS and HTML. And I think I wanted to take my um, programming experience further to the next level and, um, well, I think JavaScript had an empire for like the past 20 years in the web. So I would say there wasn't any other option. <laughs> right. So what is it that you like about JavaScript? I mean, there are a lot of ways you can go do development, even web development, so. Um, 
I think the most important thing I like about JavaScript language per se is uh, how flexible it is. You can almost do anything with it. Um, given that JavaScript is a universal language at this point, you could, you could design your whole product from different, different layers and stacks of the software from server to mobile to desktop to web using just mm -hmm. JavaScript. And this flexibility is just amazing. It's so much power. And um, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm having full control over the whole software and the product I'm working on using JavaScript. And it just feels good. It kind of right. like drinking Red Bull along the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you get into React? Um, I remember I was super interested in jQuery. Uh, but then when, whenever I wanted to develop complicated uh, complicated applications for front end using jQuery just got out of control after a time. And then I got introduced to uh, AngularJS, but Angular never, never felt right for me, although it was a very powerful framework. And it was 2015 when there were some early adopters of React and there has been some word out that uh, Facebook is developing an open source rendering library called React. I remember that that time React had like these weird APIs like React Create Class and stuff. That was totally terrifying at that point. But I gave it a shot and I liked it more, more than other um, tooling I had in JavaScript already. So it just took off from there, I guess. Um, it felt really good to be able to declaratively define what you want instead of um, imperatively, you know, manually doing whatever you want to do before. So I think it just felt right. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash jobbook. That's devchat.tv slash jobbook. It's, it's so funny to me how when we get into software, there's a lot of, you know, it, this works, this doesn't work. You know, people talk about how mathematical it is and things like that. And then when it comes down to picking your language or your framework, it's, well, it just felt right. <laughs> I guess, um, like, the right things that happen to you in your life are quite hard to explain. Um, and finding the programming language that, you've, uh, that, that is just right for you, that is like the total fit for your personality and your ways of thinking is one of those decisions and one of those moments that happen in your life. That's why it's quite hard to explain, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think I, th I, I agree. I mean, I got into Ruby, right? And I, I kind of felt the same way. And I, I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but I had done PHP. I had done some other programming languages, Java. And uh, yeah, Ruby just felt natural to me. And yeah, I mean, I can kind of pick out some of the Rubyisms now that make that kind of a difference. But yeah, I, I see where people kind of settle in and, uh, you know, it's like, okay, you know, because I know people that feel very natural in React. And so, or, or, or in Angular or in Vue. And so as they adopt those, yeah, you know, they, they can't necessarily quantify why, but 
it's a happy place for them. Right. It might be a hard question to answer for me in terms of JavaScript and why I chose it, but talking about React as my favorite tooling these days, I can probably point out a couple of things that I really like about React, per se. Um, like, we have Vue.js and AngularJS already, mm-hmm. and there's like a Svelte that has its own community. These are yeah. all amazing efforts, but... Um, the fact that I, like, the, the only reason that I really enjoy using React and I just stick to it all the day is that React is just trying to do one thing for me and I don't want to work with something that is totally opinionated. So, yeah, um, yeah exactly. So it's, it's kind of like a tool that claims to be doing one thing and doing that great. And uh, it gives me enough flexibility while doing its job uh, the way it should do it. So... That's the feeling. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we talked a little bit about what you're working on at work. Um, are there other projects that you're working on these days? Well, after last year, which was like a very long year for me with all the traveling and conference talks, I decided to settle down this year and focus on my career, more or less, and the side projects that we all abandoned. Uh, so... Um, yeah, I mean, besides working at the uh, the office, um, I spend most of my time trying to work on my side projects. I have a couple of products I'm working on, trying to finish them up and get them out as soon as possible. There are a couple of um, development experience tools that I'm trying to publish for open source and a couple of books that I'm trying to read and just left unfinished. Yeah. Books you're trying to read? Yeah. I'm curious what those are. <laughs> um, well, coming from from not an academic background, like from not coming from the software engineering or a computer science background means that you're going to have an imposter syndrome along the way all the time, right? You're going to feel like there are a lot of things, there are like a lot of gaps to fill. So it's been always concerning for me. So I just chose a book called The Imposter Handbook. Uh, which teaches you the whole uh, computer science program in just like two volumes, I guess. So they're like two books, uh, several chapters. You can read the whole computer science history and all the topics are related to your day-to-day work and learn them properly. Trying to learn uh, algorithm data structure deeply and uh, things like that. So next time when you're in a, in a, in a technical d- discussion and uh, some people from computer science background are talking about like graph theory, you actually have a clue what they're talking about. Yeah, I've heard about that one before. I'm trying to remember who it's by. Uh, Rob Connery. Yeah, yeah. Great author. Um, There's also another book that I'm trying to read, and that's called Computer Science Distilled, which is like a 200 pages, a small book, uh, summarizing the whole concepts, data structures, and algorithms. But the only uh, upside I saw with that book and about it is that uh, it's uh, visualized. So it has like everything in visualization. So you can see everything up front, and I like it. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, it's interesting to me, you know, when I talk to different people about what they're working on, a lot of them it's, oh, well, I'm working on open source software, uh, or I'm, you know, I've got this other side project that has nothing to do with technology. And I think it's interesting to, you know, get the perspective of, I'm trying to level up. Right. Yeah. So once you finish these, you know, books and and things like that, what's next? Well, I really wish I had enough time to work on the softwares and products I'm currently working on and finish them up. Um, for instance, there has been a product I'm, um, I was trying to work on and 
it's, it's a very cool idea. It's about microblogging and publishing your technical blog posts onto Twitter. You've probably seen other people that uh, they try to like come up with long threads in Twitter, trying to uh, explain certain topics and talk to other people, um, trying to get other people's opinions on certain topics. So mm -hmm. I found out that this is an opportunity and people are doing it uh, imperatively from the heart, uh, like uh, in a hard way. So I'm developing a product that will let you do uh, write your blog posts regardless of how many tweets you need to fit in into um, and like uh, attach code samples, uh, attach them as media, get the screenshot from carbon service from it automatically, try to kick in some NLP and uh, some third party uh, services to teach you how to enhance your writing skills and stuff like that. Um, I think after I'm finished with my books, I'm going to finish up that product. There has been also another product that I'm trying to work on that's called I tend to call it Gitwatch, which is the idea of being able to subscribe on almost everything that happens on GitHub. Mm -hmm. um, so for instance, if you want to know when some user on GitHub has changed their avatar or profile picture, you could literally go on and um, subscribe to that event. Um, so these are like some, some cool products I'm trying to uh, pull off. Very cool. Well, I'll have to... Uh... Yeah, we'll have to see where all that goes. We'll have to have you back and, and yeah, <laughs> see what you've learned. <laughs> yeah, I guess as programmers, we really want to do a lot of stuff at the same time. And uh, we just don't have enough time to work on them. Yeah, yeah, that's always the case, isn't it? <laughs> it is, unfortunately. Yeah, cool. Well, um, I don't know if I have any other questions for you. If people want to connect with you, where do they find you? Um, I think people can just find me on Twitter. Uh, under the handle Farscape. Um, uh, they, I also have a personal uh, webpage, farzadyz.com. And um, I guess they can just uh, go to GitHub and search me by, by the same handle I have on Twitter too, if they're interested in whatever I do and they want to like, subscribe to the activities. Awesome. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about on the show? Uh, sure. Um, so there has been an article that one of my colleagues shared with me a couple of days ago. It's, uh, the title is Almost Everything on Computer is Perceptually Slower Than It Was in 1983. And since I was always um, interested in user interface development and specifically talking about state machines lately, uh, this goes deep into how user interfaces and UX has been compromised for the past couple of decades and how like text-based user interfaces such as the command line has always been a better choice compared to all the shiny applications we develop these days. Um, I think this article is um, very, very eye-opening for everyone who's working on the front side. I can probably share the link with you so you can just put it in the description of the podcast for mm -hmm. whoever is interested. I think that will be it. That's something awesome. that I really enjoyed reading. All right. Well, I'm going to throw out a couple of picks on my own. Um, uh, one app that I've been using quite a bit lately that I've really enjoyed, um, it just makes my life easier. And as much as I like Google Calendar, this just is a much better interface, at least for the way that I work. And that is BusyCal. So BusyCal is a Mac app that allows you to, uh, you know, just run your calendar. I mean, it's a it's pretty simple concept, but I, I really, really like it. So I'm going to pick that. And then I'm also working on a course on podcasting. I've had a few people ask me how to do it and things like that. So you can go find that at 
um, podcastplaybook.co. Um, you can also um, go find my equipment list and I'll, I'll put a link to the kit.com or I, I think they just switched over to kit.co, but you can go get the kit.co um, uh, link as well. And you can see what um, stuff I recommend for you for uh, putting together a podcast. And that's, that's it. Those are my picks. So um, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap up. Thanks for coming and chatting with me. Thanks for having me, Charles. Yeah, no problem. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap this one up. And uh, until next time, Max out, everybody. Thank you. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.